Hey guys, Sam here. Uh, upon recording this episode, we realized that there's a lot of heavily referential content, even for people who are familiar with the game. Uh, so we wanted to include a quick disclaimer that this might not be everybody's cup of tea, especially people who are unfamiliar with the game. And if you are familiar with Dungeons and Dragons, uh, a tabletop role-playing game that's pretty popular at our school, I'm very sorry for you. And I know we butchered a lot of things, but hopefully there's some content in here that all of you still find enjoyable, just given contextually how stupid you can tell that we are when we play this game. So, uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Everybody's just walking around, head in the clouds. We won't awake until we're dead in the grave. By then, it's too late. We need to be ready to raise up. Welcome to the end of days. This is the Vinny Podcast. I'm your host, the Dim Mock Teacher, and I'm joined by the Book of Enoch Reader, the Five Deadly Venom Chest Beater, the Chest Teacher, and finally, the physical form of severely compressed ether. Today, we're going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I don't really know where to go from here, so somebody else, take it away. <laughs> How would you like to do this? <laughs> Nick, it was really hard not to call this the vice of killing cast. Nick, yeah. Nick, I know what yeah. you said about not listening to me. But please, please, you gotta listen to me. Do not censor the book of Enoch Reader. In what way is that anti-Semitic, Paul? <laughs> it's a lyric from a fucking song. <laughs> <laughs> this is oh, Jesus wow this got real far yeah what are we talking about D D now <laughs> yeah we're talking about the other form of anti-semitism D D. um yeah so as i'm sure a lot of our listeners know all of us pretty universally played dungeons and dragons um some of us have played dungeons and dragons with us unfortunately but uh yeah we <laughs> yeah. decided sort of yeah, spur of the moment because we lost one episode to the data banks in the Jedi temple that um, <laughs> we would just kind of have a casual chat about like our favorite memories of the game, how we got into the game, stuff like that. So if we want to go around the table and start, I guess, by just talking about how we got into it. Yeah, I think Nick is the only one who hasn't played D&D with all of us. Yeah, yes. In theory, he did. He played that one bit. one shot where you guys uh, left Paul. I think Paul and Pal started fighting when the gray render, who wasn't really harmful, like started attacking you on the cliff, and you had that whole plan to like make it slip off the cliff. Oh the yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking Oh, I played as the geriatric old man, <laughs> and then ran up with someone's dying corpse. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Nick has played with all of us, but you know. I have, and we also did Antarcus. No, we didn't. <laughs> we started Antarcus. <laughs> no, we fucking didn't. You did implies that it's like completed. Jeez, no, I, really we, I can that say that we mind. did play Antarcus. Alright, Paul, how did you get into D D? <laughs> <laughs> uh actually my D D story is not very interesting. I well... never played... I had never played D D. Um before coming to St. John's. I've had brief encounters with it on military bases throughout my life. Um, it seemed really fun. And when I got to St. John's, I finally had the time to try it and a group of people that I wanted to play it with. And that was, that was a Cormier party. <laughs> that was a fucking mistake. <laughs> uh, so actually, yeah, I have Sam and Bao to thank for getting me into d and I think the uh, first Sam... d you ever played was Bao's one-shot. Yes. Where we got dicked on by Rope Trick. 
Oh. Yep. Oh. Yep. And Shadow Monk. He was in the fucking like ice Shadow cooler. Moses. Yep. Yep. I'm sorry for that. First off. <laughs> uh, also, I'm not sorry for that because that was. It was pretty fucking funny. It was really fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. You were trying really to like block funny. the fucking door so the fishmen won't kill you. It and was busted down. Like it was nothing. It was really funny. <laughs> also, no, a fun fact. Because you spent um, 30 minutes trying to figure out how you can stack the cargo so that you can block off that. I didn't. I didn't. Fucking what's-his-face. Two other people who I'm not going to name did. <laughs> Another fun fact about that night is on the way to play the one-shot, uh, Sam, you met Erin, and after meeting her, you told me that I should ask her out. I did. Uh, I don't remember that. It took you like a year, at least. Yep. But yes, I have fond memories of of uh, that one shot. I I'm glad really that I ruined really... those for you with Ojin. <laughs> <laughs> no, I liked Ojin. I really liked Ojin. I, I like Ojin wish... too. I wish Wait. that I had actually known what Ojin D&D was. Ojin was yeah, my let's... first real D and D character. No, he wasn't. He wasn't a good character. Is a strong word. <laughs> I don't know if it applies to this. Ojin was Ojin was a mirror. That I looked at for a few hours whenever we played Corn. Baphomet, <laughs> <laughs> um, Beirut, same thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ojin was really fun. He just was a very bad D&D character. And at the time, I was a very bad D&D player. Don't worry, we all were. Yep. Um, but yeah, oh. Ojin was this super edgy Sorkadin with like horrible, horrible PTSD. Um, remember one of the first things Ojin did with the party was he tried to sell Kut and Tomb into slavery. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Back into slavery. Yeah, back, back into slavery. Uh, he also told. Uh, not Halifax, whoever that artificer that Luke played. Master, Master Ventil. Yep, whoever. Asterisk, uh, I saw Red Vent. Uh, Booster Gold. Yeah, Booster. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Um, oh, that was rough. I didn't that know was I had that really in good, me. though, because Aster Ventil really was the Booster Gold of Goromir. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately uh, a cool package, but realistically not the best. <laughs> Ojin was having a conversation with um, Alderaan with House Oberyn, uh, and Aster said something, and Ojin said, shut up, the adults are talking. Real edgelord <laughs> shit. That was the first thing Ojin ever said to that character. Um, yeah, it's, so it's yeah. worth noting. Sorry, finish. Ojin was a fun character. I just... I it's, was an idiot and an asshole. It's <laughs> worth noting that in the world that I had created, elves had a bit of a superiority complex. Um, so the problem is, when explaining that to the two people who were playing elves, one of them just took it as a license to be a <laughs> to the rest of the party. And then Wait, the, other one, the other one took it as a license to be a mild dick and kind of racist to the party. Um, I'm going to let the listeners figure out which one is which based on who they know played D&D with me for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Ojin was really fun and Koromir was really fun. Uh, yeah, oh, we're having fun. 
Hold on. No. Y'all were having fun. Wait, <laughs> Give I, me a I second. Oh, you should you should also clarify um which uh anime or manga character Ojin was based <laughs> on. Oh no. was based off of guts from Berserk. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, there's that. How, how, how? What was he carrying? They had this giant blade that was like a shard of the abyss. And it was really, really cool. And it was my favorite thing about Cormir. Um, because the blade just, its flavor was amazing. And its ability was amazing. It would get like an attack buff. And like it could uh, consume souls. If you hit somebody and it did lethal damage, you would have to like roll um, a d6 or something to make a check um, to consume a soul. And then you got like this attack buff with it, and it was amazing. Uh, and then Bao and Sam. Would, would you, would you, just just before you say this, would you describe it as massive, thick, heavy, and far too rough? It was too much. To, it was much too big to be called a sword. Indeed, it was like a heap of raw, uh, hellish material. Yes, yes, I would describe it as that. Um, and then. Bao and Sam workshopped it and made it amazing where it could like turn into a halberd. No, no, that was all Bao. Bao sent it to me and I was like, you know, this is cool. Fuck it. That was that was mostly all Bao. Like the the second like Bloodborne style ability that it got. Or like the weapon could change around. Yeah, it was, I don't it really, was take really, really cool. And then all of a sudden Ojin was like in a single turn destroying like CR15 monsters. Yeah, if Jesus. he hit. If he, if he hit. hit. If he hit, which you know, some of the Cormier characters really be out there hitting. <laughs> they really be out there hitting. Ojin might know. not have been one of them, but uh, also some other memories about Cormier were um, the like the one like enablement session we had, where we were all playing, and then all of the sophomores in the group, which was everybody but me went and found out whether they were enabled or not. So everything was super tense. Um, and we were just being assholes. And I think Luke and I were yelling, like, let the strength-based characters do the check while Bao was desperately trying to make this check. And then he, like, crit three times in a row, and it was amazing. But this amazing moment for Bao was completely ruined by Luke and I screaming at Bryson. No, yeah, Bryson Bryson deserves a little bit of credit for sucking the air out of the moment too because one of his characters for some fucking reason teleported over to the raft as well <laughs> and was just standing there doing a dumb voice and going, "Guys, you got to let me take over." <laughs> yeah, cool. No, that wasn't what happened. No, he teleported me over so oh. I could do the I thought he was also just sitting there just yelling at you to like do something. No, because he, that's no, what he, he was does. yelling to give me advantage. Oh. Oh my god, also yeah. the fucking Bow the Butcher. Uh, <laughs> no, we don't talk about it. No, we're, we talk about Mershadon later. We talk about that later. And the fucking pseudo-dragon. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about why Koromir fell apart later. That sounded like the true demonstration of your stupidity. Yeah, that was really fun. And then the other serious campaign I've been a part of is Antarctus, which is much more fun because I... Serious. Kind of know what I'm doing now as a D and D player. Um, my new character in Antarctus is really fun to play. It's not like backstory heavy like Ojin is. 
and the role playing isn't just being an asshole like Hojin was. Um, <laughs> yeah, it it it's just great, and that's my D and D story. I really miss it. I I can't wait to get back to play D to playing D and D in person. And I understand now why it was so popular on military bases throughout my whole life. Nice. Yeah. What about you, Nick? What's your D&D story? Um, I got interested in D&D with a bunch of uh, people I used to be friends with in high school. Um, and, uh, of course, like every other person who starts out with D&D, you make a super edgy character to start off. Um, <laughs> right? So I made a, a, death, a death warlock. Um, a what? A deaf warlock. Oh, deaf. I heard deaf. I, was thinking, no, I guess that's no, about as edgy as you get. Not deaf. Sorry, he was mute. Uh, <laughs> <What>? So, <laughs> so he had a fucking... Oh, I don't remember what spell it was, but basically he used one spell constantly that was a... Um, it might have been prestidigi prestidigitation to just make words float in front of his face like the uh, ruiner mask. If any of you guys have played Ruiner. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. That game is um, such a fucking disappointment. Why would you bring it up? <laughs> or, or like that edgy character in Watch Dogs 2. Yeah. Wrench? Yeah. <laughs> you mean, wait, hold Wrench. on. From Watch Dogs 2, you mean almost every character. No, no. Yeah. All of them were dumb. <laughs> they weren't edgy. Wrench was edgy. Or Red Where the fuck the dude with the mask is? Yeah. Yeah. What about um Zero from Borderlands? Oh, uh, Zero's cool though. I made Zero. Okay, so Zero from Borderlands had like a comedy streak at least. My character did not. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do tell. Uh no, I mean like I just tried to um I played into my character, and by playing into my character, that meant I had to write what I wanted to uh, say down on a napkin and then pass it to the DM for them to say it for me. Um, so I didn't do a lot of talking. Wow. In a social game. Yeah. <laughs> it was a really good time. Um, and then... And <laughs> it's almost like you're on this podcast playing D&D, Nick. <laughs> uh, I play my life like I played that D&D game just in general um, yeah and then uh, that happened and then I um, we went on we went on a mission into the woods uh, to help a town take care of a manticore that was um, ravaging a few of the village huts that were a little outside of where most of the buildings were um and while we were out there we had these this guide of two two uh people who had basically the equivalent of final fantasy chocobos uh to be able to run around really quickly um and move to different locations and then they had a, a commander who sat on the back of one of them and um, there was a druid in our party who who uh, could turn into a tiger, and so like an overlarge tiger with uh, deer antlers. I don't remember the actual name of that. I think it's a mythological monster. 
Um, and so I convinced the druid um, by basically saying, hey, those people who are on our side after taking down the manticore have some pretty neat stuff. So why don't we kill them and take it? <laughs> and I ended up um I ended up accidentally skipping most of the campaign by doing that um for the DM. So a lot of what the DM had created was just uh, uh <laughs> skipped over and it was a really fun time. Yeah, that's that's how I got into D D. Fair enough. Yeah. What about you, Max? Okay, so back in the ye old days of freshman year, um, I happened to stumble upon uh, Sam Dietrich, Luke Wilson, and Bowley, and was invited to join. <laughs> wait, was Ocario really here? Max, you're missing one person. Oh, right. No, he and, came uh, later. <laughs> No, no, he means Bryson. Um, no, he came later. <laughs> <laughs> uh -oh. And I was invited to join a campaign that Luke uh, was starting to run. And um, not really knowing anything about D&D, &D, I was just given a character sheet. I just remember sitting at a table. Um, Sam built his character in like three seconds and left. And Luke just went, here's a book. Figure it out. Um, kind of told me what a couple stats did. So I ended up with a rogue named Lan Retzi, and let me tell you, his character was awful. <laughs> so bad. Here you spell it. To be fair, none of the characters. So bad. To be fair, none of the character from that session of, like, workshopping ended up past four sessions. Yeah, they, they all, all died, died, like, the second session. <laughs> except for, um, except for Kriv, who died later. In the next yeah. session. <laughs> yeah, in the session after that. <laughs> so, not knowing what the fuck I was doing and Game of Thrones being popular, I basically built a character that was just Tyrion Lannister, except more of an asshole. And that's... It was so I bad. Like to buy this brothel. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately. You <laughs> like to buy this brothel. <laughs> We're really played the whole in jokes are the only thing we talk about on this podcast. We yeah. might want to it's really funny better. <laughs> it was terrible. Um, yeah, it was it was maybe the worst D and D character ever. Um, you have a couple to buy candidates. For... Me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, I that I ever played anyway, by far. Actually, not by far. The second one was also pretty garbage. <laughs> here. <laughs> uh, Okay. I'm Roy Mustang, but a dickwad. As you could maybe tell from this, I was very not creative, um, and, and it and it showed uh, with the variety that I ended up with. Um, and that was based on my introduction, that one campaign, which it was like it started out with like significant amounts of promise, like despite like certain antics like it was it was fun and i enjoyed it like i remember like a pretty memorable moment like for me at least while we were trying to escape the city after everything went absolutely sideways uh, i just remember sam threw my character as a projectile at an enemy and it went like really well and i'm like wow this game's like kind of fun and then after that it fell apart 
miserably <laughs> and everybody died and oh god it went so downhill from there but no this was after was... everybody died because if we were escaping the city i was playing my second character at that point i was gas. no longer chinese electric batman i was, Wait, you were playing I, was before I was gas <laughs> i was king bradley at that point wait, 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 wait. you had a character before gas yeah i had a character before <laughs> yeah yeah you did not remember the monk that died to the old crossbow <laughs> no. in the hallway no. Damn, and I, I told you everybody died in like the second session but craven land gas was the first yeah, because oh, okay, the two yeah. that survived with you and Bryson, Max. Okay, I, I... Oh, I remember that now! We fought that, like, edgy wizard guy. No, right. that was the edgy wizard guy. Remember <laughs> <Yeah>. Corvo? <laughs> Holy was shit. That was, okay. really wasn't experience. So anyway, that yeah, was, in fact, my first introduction to D&D. And... Yeah, oof. So it got better from there, which is a good thing. Damn, I'm surprised you stayed. <laughs> I mean, it kept showing like hint. The thing is, it kept showing hints of promise. It's an addiction. Whereas, yeah, like, it, it was like it, it was like when it went well, it was like good. So it was like okay, maybe it'll go well next time. So it's like I may as well show up, and then it doesn't, and it's like oh, okay, fuck. But like, you know it's also kind of an addiction in D and D, writing for it. Yeah, I, I don't know about that, Nick. I would know nothing about that. <laughs> I have no oh. clue what you're talking about. It's actually not addicting at all. You don't just do it in your spare time or anything. What's um, that? How you many pages do you have on Coromir? Huh? How like, many pages uh, do I have written in my Coromir notes? Maybe yeah. like one. I don't know. Mm-hmm. hundred? Like half 15. a page, right? <laughs> that sounds like a lie. <laughs> maybe like, maybe enough. Maybe there's a prequel novel. I don't know. Um. Anyways, yeah. yeah. I'm still waiting for that. Thanks a no, lot. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Nobody is. Don't, don't lie to me and pretend. Like <laughs> <laughs> You promised. You kind of did, actually. Oh, fuck off. All right, fine. Uh, how about you, Bao? How did you get into D&D other than waiting for prequel novels? You know what's an addiction in D&D? Cocaine. That least some- <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. This story. Oh, my God. Um, for, so, so for some reason, my D&D career started at St. John's and was just intimately connected with Sam's D&D story at St. John's. Well, every... Wh- which one? Me or Berrettini? You, Sam. Okay. Yeah, because I think we've played in the same, every same uh, campaign yeah. together. Um, and this is the one where Sam Barantini runs it, uh, marking his second appearance on this pod. Uh, well, how do you describe this? Um, the twist is we're all in hell. And uh, that's why we all showed up with technically chaotic characters. I oh, showed so- up a chaotic evil character okay. nobody was ready for. <laughs> so because... y'all y'all just played hasman hotel the D game <laughs> yeah sure if hasman hotel included chopping someone's uh fingers off and then leaving remember, them to yeah, statistically no tortured this npc to death for like no, no, no discernible no. reason <laughs> we didn't torture her to death we tortured her then she couldn't defend herself when the enemies came and killed her. Uh, nice. Which was an owl bear. I heard about the end of that. Wasn't yeah, like, this... didn't you like someone hide under a no, bed? No, that's where this is going. That's where the okay. story is going. Trust right, me. Cool. Gotcha. Um, so, I'm so excited. The, so technically, right, we're supposed to have chaotic characters, but um, Liam Toomey, being Liam Toomey, showed up with sort of a lawful good character. And therefore, he died first because this world was unforgiving. No, 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 no. Can I, sorry, can I sidebar that? Because I was there when he died. 
No, he didn't want to play with any of us anymore, so he jumped off a roof. <laughs> he didn't die. He didn't. He didn't die first. What do you? No, 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 no. So we crossed an ice lake where me and Will Tywater's characters almost fucking died, and fucking Finn the Ranger, played by Liam fucking Toomey, was like, "We gotta press onwards, boys. Efficiency is key. Like, don't we know?" And I'm like, "I'm running on two HP. So is he. I'm a barbarian. How am I on two HP, my guy? Please." So we get to this city that's infested with undead, and I guess Liam was just tired of it all so while he was on this very advantageous position for rangers a class in DD known for ranged combat he was on a roof um he just jumped off the roof into a fire uh, for no reason and then died <laughs> so wasn't there a story at a boat somewhere in there no i'll tell that story later yeah <laughs> okay, finish finish get lead up to the cocaine party bow please <laughs> oh, i'm so ready for this shit so how do how do i even phrase it um so, uh, the party comprises of me, um, Garth, uh, a, a human ranger, who, um, is, his background is a criminal, and he's also built like a criminal. As in, this man was just overpowered. Um, I got the sharpshooter feat, adds on, like, damage, hit, hit. Nice. Uh, so my damage output was insane compared to anyone else, which turned out to be problematic if it was turned against other party members. Um, Sam was playing the bugbear. Uh, do you want to say his name, Sam? Okay, he doesn't. Obviously. Um, this bugbear had an intelligence of six. Uh, and I need to, to keep in mind that, um, you need an intelligence of four to understand language. This will come in hand. Uh, come, <laughs> come, in hand come in handy later. Um, Luke was playing a goblin wizard? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, who basically um, sat atop Sam's bugbear and cast a spell. And no, he sat he... atop the Allosaurus that I had tamed and done cool shit with, because yes. apparently that entire character was just making my character the damage sponge for his. So I mean, he owed you, yeah. Like, you know, he owns you. Owned yes. You. I was that his, was like, it. slave son thing. Oh. That was it. I forgot what Will's character was. Uh, it was um, a rogue. It was oh right, right because it wasn't that Baron. For it, um, <laughs> keep in mind there are two Barantini campaigns that are both equally problematic. <laughs> <laughs> Bell, 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 please, please tell me you remember when he introduced his second character yes. and I looked at him. I looked at him because he was like, "I'm in a robe and I have wings." <laughs> and I have a mask on, and hey, I was like, "Are this? you playing a fucking Second Life character?" And was he got Will so mad. Will, it was Will. Of course, it was. Why did I ask? Will's second character was named Terror. No, it had a You're hero. kidding! No yeah. way. And his name was Terror. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. You're oh, not man. serious. Anyway, back no, he had a real name. He had a real name, but like people right. called him Terror because he was like so whatever. There, did Gail people we... call him that, or did he call himself that? Dude, for I don't fucking know. It's, it's oh. it was very scary. Back to the campaign at hand. Um, before we realized that each of us had uh, psychological problems, all of them. Um, what was it? We make it to the city, right? And there's right. a fucking. I think she was a psychic, but she was a sucker. And I walked in there first. Um. 
the succubus obviously charms me. I fail to save because it was charisma. Um, and so I was charmed. And this isn't really how charmed work, but I think it's because it's a succubus that she can make me shoot my companions. Yep. So I started shooting Sam's bugbear. Right? Um, no, no. You started because it was you and Luke. Remember, we had split the party. So it was me, oh, Tony, right. Will going to the other city to right, try to right, rescue right. the other like seal of the apocalypse. Right. And you and Luke were like trying to find a way out. So when we got back, we thought we were just going to dip after doing like them a right. good service and stopping the apocalypse. Right. So it was Luke. Luke stepped in, uh, I think, past the save. Um, and in order to knock me out of my senses after I shot him twice, keep in mind, they hurt. Um, he just uh, thunder wave against the wall. Basically, you know, a shock wave that crushes your bone and knocks me out. And then the succubus, um, you know, handled by Barantini, uh, tries to hide, rolls a nat 20 in this room. Maybe, maybe, maybe we leave that for the kickers, so that way yeah, it yeah. is infinitely. So the, but yeah. the succubus so is like nowhere to be seen. So she disappears, and we're too, we're too stupid to um, look for her. Right, and we couldn't have. We didn't know. Anyway, uh, the the uh, the other two party members, Will and Sam, shows up after uh, mourning the death <laughs> of their friend Liam Toomey's character. <laughs> right. So, no, this is the no, kicker. No, so, Will, Will <laughs> what, what happens is, what do they show up? With? Will shows up with a bag of cocaine. Cocaine. Yeah, he goes and gets cocaine, and then shows up. Oh. I don't know. I don't remember how. I don't remember why. No, he literally was like, can I go find cocaine? And Sam was like, roll investigation. And then he went and found cocaine. And then like, we show up. So the problem is, I show up because I hear the thunder wave. And I see you standing over my like, owner, father, or whatever the fuck <laughs> Luke's fucking character was. Um, and I'm like, oh, like in my dumb primitive bugbear mind. Because again, bear in mind, I had to play this character basically yeah. like a cat that knew the word like chicken or something like it was like the barest amount of like cohesion and intelligence right. that I could possibly muster without literally inconveniencing the party at every turn. Um, so sticking in character, because again, this is a role-playing game. Uh, I attack Bao's character and then we get into it and then we kind of like stop. Cause I we think stop. I kill right. you. No, I no, think no, I no, killed no. you. No, we all stop. Like I got knocked out of. Yeah. Show, right. And then we started doing cocaine. Because yes. brought it. And we then the succubus oh, oh. charmed everybody again. From where? From where? From under, under the bed. Because it turns out she was hiding under the bed because she rolled the nat 20. So she was just in the room the whole time. Um, so this is where my character went from being the meme of the campaign to this absurdly tragic, like, just plot device. In that, I believe you murdered Will's character and I murdered you. No, I murdered two. I murdered Will. Yeah, you murdered and, Will and Luke. And Luke. And, because... and then I murdered you, right? Yeah. And then I leave. So I start, but bear in mind, again, as Bao brought up, my intelligence is four, so I don't understand spoken language uh, at all. Well, no, 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 no. Your intelligence was six? Yeah, and, and I did coke. Coke cocaine. Yeah, the, co the, the coca, two. the coca leaf, the, co the, the yay. Uh, <laughs> it my two. The yayo got me feeling it. some type of way. So and I went down to twice. four intelligence, therefore making me dumber than an animal. Um, and so I stumble into the street, a coked up bugbear with a halberd, and waiting for me is a character that I had been like weirdly romantically involved with, but I didn't recognize her because I was coked out of my mind. And I end up like knocking her unconscious and like slinking off into the night. And like that is where that campaign ended. Aww.
Because everybody died. Because everybody succub- died and did cocaine, and a succubus was there also. In the fucking bed. God. That story is way funnier to us. I don't know if anybody it's else painful. is gonna find that entertaining. It's painful. As we said, we killed the guiding NPC by chopping her finger. <laughs> Leaving her in the Leaving her to die in the We're so bad at being Anyways, uh, on to a better note, because I don't know why we should ever release this episode anymore, given the shit we've talked about. Um, yeah, I was in Koromir. I was uh, in it the whole time. At start to um, I played three characters. Uh, the first one, Carrick, uh, Druid, doesn't count. Carrick sucks. Character. He was there to be the MacGuffin. Uh, money launderer, I think. Yep. Yep, and weapons dealer. Um, second character was pretty cool thematically. It was, uh, if anyone's played Dungeons and um, Darkest Dungeon, you would know the Abomination class. Uh, I made that. Basically. The blood. Hunter. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So he was cool. He didn't do much. I'll say that because um, man was social social reaching, so he couldn't well, walk any. That, and he also got put in a fucking lockbox for a hot minute. Yeah, yeah. Which gave birth to the best character I've ever made. Um, Gaunt, the half- Good old Gaunt. Oh, yes. Um, he's cool. Gaunt is great. a nice story. Um, cool weapons, too. And could have been the avatar of, uh... One of two gods of war. Yeah. Uh, what else? Yeah, I think the best moment for me in that campaign was, um, the day when your dad was there, Sam. Yeah. us for that session. Yeah. And uh, I think it was like a uh, session, right? Like a, during breaks. Yes. It was, it was during like, like a long weekend or something. Yeah, it was me, Luke, Will, your dad, you were DMing. Luke wasn't there. That's why he switched. Remember? He switched to Aster because Halifax was out of the loop. So they just didn't, he didn't understand why anybody was going to like the other city. Yeah. So he was just like, yeah, I'll go back. And then that was like, I, that gave me license to do shit with Halifax. Right. So was it? Yeah, so Will was playing his wizard. I was playing Karak. Dad was playing the barbarian. We came upon this fort castle, and we needed to get in there, kill the boss. And it was just this moment that I really loved, that I looked at Will. I was like, we were both like, how are we going to get in there? I looked at Will, and I say, we're going to do the plan. And he nodded and said, yeah, we're going to do it. And then we uh, pretended your dad was a convict. He just escaped, and we're handing that's how we got inside. A simple trick that works uh, quite often. I think we have tried that plan, or I have seen a permutation of that plan in every D&D campaign I have played in at St. John's College. Yeah. The whole, like, he, he, get, help. <laughs> get help! It's, like, just a trope, though, in, like, like, fantasy in general, or just not even fantasy, just, like, anything, the whole, like, it, it, that's just a thing. Mm-hmm. Except it never works in practice. Right. So I've never seen a successful work, and I have also seen it tried. I think it's fun that you get to try something that you see so often yourself, first hand experience. Mm hmm. Yeah, no. We probably should have prefaced this episode, and I can do a little intro segment explaining like the gist of D&D to like, the people who don't know what the game is. Um, but I think I think the majority of our listeners have played it enough to be familiar enough with some of the terms we're throwing around. 
Um, but yeah, no, yeah. uh, all of us have actually been pretty weirdly intertwined in our D and D careers at St. John's. It's a pretty big game at our school. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's really fun. It's a pretty incestual cycle. It yeah. really is. That like I feel like last year there's this one like group of people, including a bunch of us, that like basically every campaign just had the same people, just a different person running it. Huh. That's fun. Like, cause, I mean, there's like there's a lot of people who are interested, but only so many people have like a time and a matching schedule because that honestly the doom of every D campaign is scheduling yeah it's really hard to get even call it like six college students in the same room for like four hours yeah oh my god there was one time uh i think sophomore year no fresh uh we were still in i was still in chase and what was it we did like two consecutive days of D D. Yep. Sam. Right, because it was Okaria with Cormier, uh, yeah, and then Cormier, and then Sam Barantini, yeah, campaign, yeah. Like, it was eight hours straight. It was bad. And we went back the next. Yeah. Oh shit. Again, D and D very addictive, but also yes. can be detrimental if you're not careful. Yeah. Uh, parse your time out par- properly, kids. All right, Sam. Yeah, oh dear your, God, it's your turn. Yeah, um, I've basically grown up playing the game my dad played in high school. Uh, I woke up one day, walked downstairs, found like the original monster manual, and was like, what the fuck is this? Kind of had it explained to me. Ended up sort of dicking around with third edition and like 3.5 edition, fell in love with the game from there. Just the idea of like being able to create your world, like this world and like all these characters, and it just catered to a lot of things that I enjoy creatively. Uh, ended up playing a pretty serious campaign with my dad, um, an old like teammate. Uh, a couple of teammates actually uh and then went to saint john's and sort of unintentionally got bushwhacked into okaria because i was wearing the loot crate D shirt um <laughs> and luke was sitting next to me in lab and was like do you play and i was like yeah and then like we kind of had this weird pissing contest where i was like you know like i've been playing this game pretty casually on and off for like ever since i think i was like eight and Luke was like, oh, cool. Like, I'm starting my first campaign, like, DMing ever now. Like, you should join. So I decided to do what all idiots do. And um, say yes go, okay, say, say yes to the dress. And the dress being a monk named Frooster Swordhand, who was just Chinese electric Batman. Uh, I hated just every, in hindsight. What a, what a, what a just, what a, I've always loved the class monk. And I've never been able to make the class monk work. Even in third edition, when monks were broken as shit and could make like six attacks for no reason. Um, but yeah, so Frooster died, and I ended up picking up another character in that campaign. And then it's sort of old habits die hard. Uh, I guess in this case, didn't die. And I ended up starting up my own campaign with uh, Bao and eventually Paul and the, this other Luke, Bryson, Will, Tywater, Zambaratini. Um, and that went on for a while, uh, fell apart for a bunch of other reasons. Um, and then uh, tried to pick something up over the summer and uh, sort of fell apart again. Uh, as, as we all know, I'm not good at writing source material for my worlds at all. Guy, too right? good at am it, I, and then am you I? end up with a dysfunctional <laughs> travel system. As we know, I am very known for not writing source material, and I do not have 115 pages of notes on one campaign in my computer. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's basically my story. Uh, without getting like super into reasons why I really, really took to the game. Um, yeah, no, I think two of my favorite memories 
the cocaine story in Sam Berrettini's campaign is just primo, primo, what the fuck were we thinking? What were we doing? Why, God, dear Lord, make it stop. Um, and then I think my second favorite moment, and you will, you would think it's from Koromir, which the, that's where you're wrong. Just the entirety of the shit show that was Murshida, which is a city in the world that I had built, is really funny, but it was in a one shot that Bryson was running. Now, for those of you who like aren't aware, one shots are more like self-contained sessions, whereas campaigns tend to tell greater narratives and are more interconnected and go on for a while. It was a one shot Bryson was running in uh, the world of Magic the Gathering because they had just released a bunch of source material to combine oh, the two yeah. mediums. And um, Paul, mm, Paul showed up with the fucking <laughs> legend. That was Vikram. Vikram uh, Molten Strength, please. <laughs> <laughs> please. And um, how do I put this? Just the things that Paul said during that session, really learning how to play the game by asking uh, if he could cover a javelin in poop and make it a punji stick to do poison damage <laughs> if he threw it at a horror that was flying around, um, using his real body to try and wager with the DM by asking uh, if I here if I can kick this high, <laughs> if I can kick up to here, I get to kill the whole party. Um, well, because he was, and then, there's, no, no but then way, there's no way any physical person could kick that high. And I was like, well, first of all, you're wrong. Vikram's a dex build barbarian. Yes, that was the kicker. He, the kicker. There's a reason why he maxed out his dexterity. <laughs> and I swear to God, Bryson, if I can kick up to lead on this periodic table of elements, I can kick any one of you in the head. And so I get to kill the whole bird. <laughs> so my favorite part about this is, as, for those of you who don't know about the game, there's like a like spread of stats, and there's different classes of character you can pick going in, and different classes utilize different stats primarily. Barbarians are known for being strength and constitution characters. Constitution being sort of like bodily hardiness and health. Um, yeah, it helps to determine your HP. Strength is pretty self-explanatory. Your ability to like crush a man's head in with your two like left nuts, I guess. I don't fucking know. Um, so traditionally speaking, most barbarians require you to like really, really put points and focus into strength and whatever. But Paul, not really knowing how to play the game properly, um, built his barbarian using dexterity, which is a stat reserved more for like agile characters uh, and stuff like that. Well, um, isn't it dexterity that determines your armor class? Dex yeah. determines your armor class. Uh, ho however, that's that's if, what I was thinking. If you're a barbarian, you really don't need to be oh. wearing fucking. Well, well, you know, you know, Sam, as you know. Um, my line of thought in building Vikram Molten Strength was if they cannot hit you, you will eventually kill them. That was something <laughs> that we found when we Googled Dex Build Barbarian. That's the comment that made because I Googled how to build a barbarian. <laughs> and the first thing that came up was some forum that was like Dex Build Barbarian question mark. And then in bold it said if you, they cannot hit you you will eventually kill them. That's so that, that has become like a saying amongst us as a friend group is if they cannot hit you, you <laughs> will eventually kill them. And yeah. I think the moment of truth really came when 
Paul had a rapier as a barbarian, which is like historically a dex weapon. And we're like, why do you have a rapier? Why is it not a great axe? Like, and then he looks at us and goes, because I'm using my dex. And we were all kind of like looking around like, is this, is he, is he joking? Is this a joke? Are you fucking kidding me? Oh my God. So my favorite story that I heard from that, the mess that was Koromir was the pseudo dragons. Which tell that story because Paul tells it way better than I do. (laughs) Like from the player perspective, it is infinitely funnier than from the DM's perspective because the DM's perspective is me just spinning plates with tears running down my eyes, watching people (laughs) fall apart (laughs) over a board game. There was nothing. Please, Paul, enlighten us because I love hearing a story, and I've heard like three times now. Every time we were playing through, um, we were playing through Mershida, which again is this city that Sam had built in this world, and it was it was really fun, and it was kind of a we kind of ended up as fugitives at one point in the city. The city went into um went into lockdown, and we needed to sort of people were wearing their fucking masks. (laughs) (laughs) And we needed to sneak around the city. and like do this shit quietly. Otherwise, uh, the dude who was running the city, Gajil, who, by the way, I never said anything about, um, would find us. And no one's gonna it. understand that reference. <laughs> one person might, and if one person does, then I've done my job. Um, anyway, so we're going about and. Um, there's a, just a lot of fun. There was like this dungeon crawl or would be dungeon crawl in this like sex dungeon. Um, oh, nice! That would have been like a combat, like three or four session crawl through if we hadn't just jumped off the roof. <laughs> yeah. So, so on work. the way to get there, we have to cross into some other district in the city, and we can't like go through the gate because we're fugitives. And they'll right. know us. And we're sitting here looking at the gate, and we're looking at this guard outpost, and we're like, "Can I roll a perception check?" And Sam was like, "Go ahead." And then we failed it, and then everybody failed it, and then we had to roll it again. And Sam was like, "Yeah, all you see is just this one guard playing around with his pet pseudo dragon. It's like throwing something up in the air, and the pseudo dragon's going back up, and he's he's catching it." Um, yeah, that's really it. You notice a, like a distinct lack of guards. Actually, uh, there's just one dude with a pseudo dragon, and actually, as you look around, you can see more pseudo dragons uh, throughout the city. And it's it's just uh, it seems pretty quiet. You, you have kind of fucked the story up. I'm sorry to interrupt, but you have kind of <clears> fucked <throat> the story up because the revelation about the pseudo dragons happens in the sex dungeon. No, no, no! Because you kept planting it. No, I, pl- I planted it up until you went to the sex dungeon, and then you guys got confronted because the guards, like, hopped in, and they are like, this is a sting operation. And the dude who runs the sex tower was like, I don't know what you're talking about, officers. Whatever. Like, whatever could you mean? These aren't the fugitives. They're just clients. And then, like, they, the guard literally goes, that's not what the pseudo-dragon fucking told me. <laughs> I thought they just didn't register that, though. <laughs> Sam, Sam, I even fucking forgot that the guard said it now. But anyway, we do we go through this fight and we almost die. Um and then like the session ends and then Sam Barantini leaves the campaign. 
and we start the next session, we're standing on the roof of the sky bridge of this sex dungeon. <laughs> and we're like, oh, okay, so do we really want to do a combat crawl, or do we want to try to, like, feather fall the whole party off this roof? Um, and we were trying to make a decision when somebody was like, hey, I bet I can hit that fucking pseudo dragon with a bow and arrow. It's me. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> so we both started taking pot shots at the pseudo dragon in the sky. <laughs> and then we dropped down and the bow the butcher happens where a guard is like hey aren't you guys the fugitives and bow's like no <laughs> like then why are you covered in blood and he goes i'm a butcher <laughs> <laughs> Lucas Bryson's character was like, we got into a fight. We were just scrapping, and then Bao just goes, "I was a butcher." <laughs> so not only have you like told this man two, two conflicting narratives, stories. but it's just... oh my god. <laughs> so then we go back and we do some other stuff, and we have this kid who's really important uh, to what we're trying to do in the campaign. So we were like, oh, let's just hide him. Would you like me to provide the context for that? Yes. yes. Okay. Also, bear in mind, the, the encounter with the guards at the checkpoint happened while they were trying to get into the sex dungeon to talk to their contact there. So, again, <laughs> the seeds of the pseudo-dragon network had been planted. What For those of you not in the know, pseudo-dragons are basically tiny little dragons that like are oftentimes the familiars of wizards. Um, and so the entire gimmick of the city was that the reason why the bad guys knew what the party was doing and their every move was because they just had a UAV network of pseudo-dragons that, like, roosted in these towers and, like, spied on the whole population of the city and, like, reported it back to this one dude. Um, oh, Big Brother style. Okay. Yeah, and so the, the party just, for some reason really didn't pick up on that so anyways so there is this kid who is important the re the way that this city is structured is that there it used to be a monarchy and then the monarchy was usurped by this caliphate of just five of the most despicable people in the region and they kind of like turned the city into this weird terror state that like was neutral from the main story but they had there was things that the party needed from the city and they needed to kill the main guy kajil to get something to help progress the main story um right one of the things is Will's character had this contact in the city who he just sort of was friends with, and it was these innkeeper, this family who ran an inn together. Um, and so, essentially, their little hideout in the city gets burned, and everybody but the son of this family gets murdered uh, by these, as Paul puts it, Zanzibar people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there are Rakshasa Nazdarunes, not hold Zanzibar. On, hold, on, hold on, I just thought the name of the creature was Zanzibar. Yeah, no, he's not, I'm not implying that Paul was comparing them to a race of people. I'm just saying that Paul couldn't pronounce the name and said Zanzibar. Um, so anyways, so they, the party decides, okay, we have to put the like surviving people of this like in, in hiding. And then there's like some plot developments and they realize that there's a resistance group against this caliphate in the city uh, that is composed of like innkeeps who contact each other discreetly and have sort of been militarized by this one person who was going to have the sickest plot payoff ever, but you know what, whatever, fuck it. Fuck this campaign. Anyways, um, I'm not bitter. Um, 
Clearly. <laughs> no, really? No, no. Then tell us how you really feel, Sam. No, no. <laughs> you have to hide it deep down inside. <laughs> or else I'll never DM again. Oh. Don't let it show. Bottle it inside, Sam. No. Uh, so they shuffle the kids into, like, the ghetto area of this city. Uh, well, the kid and somebody else who was an innkeep that was, like, supposed to watch the kid into this, like, area that the police really didn't hang around because it was a bad area. Um... And so they were like, all right, the kids will be safe, like just getting moved around by this resistant group, resistance group, and they have like safe houses and it's fine. Cut forward to them eventually trying to like find ways to hunt Gajil down. The city just becomes this mud suck. They're fugitives now. They got like the city's in lockdown. And like uh, Paul said, they have to move around. They have to move in silence, essentially, which they did not do. But eventually, <laughs> if you want to pick up the story, Paul, because now we are at the point in which they have to go. They, they, they well, no, no. So remember, remember, <laughs> the, one of the possibilities that occurred to everybody and was confirmed is that one member of the resistance was a mole who was working for the main bad guy of this arc, and they went to confront him. And they eventually, it was a really fun moment, and they managed to like eventually like get him to set up a meeting he they realized that like he was talking to this like spy master guy he never really had contact with gajil and like it was this whole middleman thing where he was essentially just fucking the party over and the resistance group over from the inside and we so figured it out by the amazing mind trick though uh we were talking uh, that he actually <laughs> we, we were messing with his mind <laughs> he revealed the information we wanted to know because we said Somebody yelled, where's Gajil? And he said, I don't know where Gajil is. I don't know anything about And Gajil. Paul, who wasn't listening, I guess, <laughs> says. <laughs> That's where you're wrong, asshole. We never said anything about Gajil. <laughs> Did it fucking work? No. 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 I looked it. at Paul and out of character as the DM went, you know that like. Bryson literally just <laughs> said, like, where's Gajil? We know you're working for him, right? Because Paul, I guess, just didn't miss that, like, miss that section of the conversation for whatever reason. So assumed that they had, like, tricked the dude into revealing something he couldn't have known in air quotes. <laughs> but in reality, <laughs> they had opened with that information. Oh, my God. <laughs> so eventually they coerced this dude into setting up the meat between him and these, like, Naztharun, Zanzibar, Panther people. Um... And so <laughs> we go to this meet and it's just it's obviously a setup. So we get in and then there's this like this horrible fight where like I was terrified Ojin was gonna die with just two of these things. Uh and then we uh we end up killing them. And then we're about to go outside. No, no, then... you end up taking one hostage because that was the whole oh, deal. Because yeah. you were going to take one hostage and interrogate it for information because they were the middlemen, right? You you were essentially in the mode of we got to work our way up the flagpole to get to the main bad guy, right? And you know these guys work for the spy master who works for Gajil. So you take one of them. And then the session ends with the door opening up and then there's like five more of them and they have the fucking kids that we're trying to keep safe. And we were, oh, if you were like, what? How did, they How did this happen? What? How did they learn? No, but what? What, Sam? This is bullshit. You, you fucking rigged it against us. And Sam was like, hey, uh, remember the pseudo dragons? 
<laughs> you know, the things that have been tracking your like every move in the city. How did you not play around that? And so that that was a, a taste, a whiff of the kinds of things <laughs> that happened in in this D and D campaign that I ran uh, at St. John's College. Oh. Man, I think I think my other the the pseudo dragon story is is probably like peak. Um, but I think another one of my I, we we can end with this story if y'all want. But like I think I think my favorite just D and D moment of all time was the time that I actually as the DM did have the tables turned on me and go wait no mate 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 and then like it get fucked. Um, so the original Koromir party that being composed of uh, two of my old teammates, I guess three of my old teammates and uh, my dad were going through this like vampire mansion to like stop something uh and my father my father's character is just the most mercenary motherfucker ever like they like just holy shit were they bad people um in hindsight they were it was, it was bad um and so they find out that the vampires are essentially keeping like slave thrall things in the basement to like do their busy work um and while well, they help this cult of orcus and so they managed to, like, rescue one of the cult members, like, thrall people named Fiji, who sort of becomes their guide through the catacombs of this manor. Um, and so while they're there, they run into a room where just there's a portal to the netherworld, essentially. There's, like, the Shadowfell has, like, permeated this place because undead are everywhere here. Um, and so... My father ends up getting confronted with his first, like, major plot beat as a character, that being the ghost of, like, someone from his past, I forget who, who is like, you fucked me over in the past, ooh, I, like, it, it, it 1v1 me, bro, like, I've, I've fucking been waiting for this for, like, decades, like, 1v1 me, uh, I demand, like, blood for blood. So my dad, again, being a mercenary motherfucker, stops looks at the party, looks at one of my teammates who was really the one who was caring for this slave dude named Fiji, goes, Andrew, I'm sorry. Looks at Fiji, goes, just, this is for, fuck, I'll see you later, kid. And, like, shoves the fucking slave into the pit fight for the 1v1 against the ghost that is supposed to be part of his, like, background plot arc. Um, and thereby invalidating the entire moment and, like, weaseling his way out of this, like, plot beat. Uh, and getting Fiji killed in the process, and that is a oopsie moment that will forever stay etched in my fucking mind. Oh, oh man! Uh, Sam, rest in peace, Fiji. Sam, yo, you know what that Are we reminded gonna get a me of? What? Cliff Bear, Koromir. Who? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The cliff bears. That was cliff good bear. though. That was funny. The Fiji moment wasn't because they just sacked Fiji without hesitation, <laughs> like without hesitation. Everybody but my brother was like, "Okay, throw the slave in then. He'll, he'll be the blood sacrifice." <laughs> Fuck it. Wow. Like, like my dad like kind of looked at me and was like, "Is this important to my backstory?" And I was like, "I don't know. Is it?" And he was like, "All right, cool. Fiji, you're up, kid." <laughs> and then like fucking just threw this fucking like dude in, and he got like folded. Oh. Um. Yeah. What a fun game D and D is. So Antarctica's restart when? Uh, yeah, honestly, no, I don't know. Maybe maybe second semester. Antarctica is a campaign that I was running for a while. Ended up fucking myself over. For as a I while? Do. You mean like two? Shut weeks. up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up, Max. All right, you know what? It's okay. 
All right? It it's fine. Though. You know, if, it was good. If, any, if any of the listeners would like to apply to be part of uh, Antarctica's Restart. What? No, absolutely. No, 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 no. Uh, Antarctica's Revolutionary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> revolution. You get to play as a one-by-one-foot square of snow. Yes. Yeah. You get to play as that helmet that someone keeps putting on their fucking head. <laughs> we we accept mad. anyone anyway, so... You can you know. play as Bal's wolf. <laughs> hey, pretty cool. Don't shit talk about both. Man, we we really should restart that or start off that campaign again. Honestly, I'm down. <laughs> yeah. It's What's a lot of fun. wolf's name? Isn't it Kidding's real name? <laughs> yeah, it was originally it was originally Riff Raff's real name. Horse and then Simco. I, yeah, and then I changed it to Kidding's real name. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, send us your best D&D characters. Send us uh, your best D&D, yeah, at the uh, yeah, no. Upon the um upon the uh the the recommendation of several listeners, we should have like a dedicated just sort of way to end this episode. Um or episodes <laughs> that we do. Uh our rap song shout out for this episode is uh D&D by that one comedian dude who made the song about Dungeons and Dragons players all being virgins. Uh I don't remember his name. I'll find it and link it on the post, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you if you want to submit anything to us, or if you want to send us your fun D&D stories, uh, D&D, again, we have not explained this game at all, Dungeons & Dragons, um, email us at the sjcfucast at gmail.com. Maybe you can join us in playing D&D when we, cool gets back. Maybe not. Who knows? <laughs>